Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial. Uh, thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show highlighting issues around homelessness. Hi, I'm Bill, and my guest this week will be talking about alcoholism and the family disease. Uh, I'd like to welcome Kathy to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Bill. Kathy's a member of Alaron Family Groups, and she's going to be sharing her experience of living with the effects of alcoholism and how Alaron has helped her. Um, so, Kathy, we usually talk about growing up and what it's like when you first got involved with with alcohol or alcoholism. Um, so. How was that for you? Um, my memories are when when I was growing up, we used to go away on camping trips. Everyone, there was friends and families and we'd all head up to Yarrawonga. And along the way, we would stop at the hotel. Mum and dad's, all the mum and dad's the parents would go in the hotel and the kids would get fish and chips and have to go to the park. And that would happen all the, the way along up to Yarrawonga. And then the same thing would happen on the way back. And that was, um, that's how I remember my childhood holidays. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The, um, the relationship families with alcohol, alcoholism in them, it's all centred around the alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 One of the things I remember as a kid was um, sitting outside a hotel in the car while Dad went in to have a drink. And there were three of us in the car. It was a pretty sort of a hot day. I guess you wouldn't you wouldn't do it these days. <laughs> but we um, we were sitting there and we'd take it in turns to be the driver sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I can remember pumping the accelerator and doing all these things. And Dad got back in the car after having a few drinks. And he was furious because the car was flooded and it wouldn't start. <laughs> yeah, the mm-hmm. joys. Yeah. So yeah. Um, who was the problem drinker in your family? Uh, Mum. Mum was my family. Uh, problem. She used to just drink. She couldn't hold her drink and she'd just drink and drink and she'd, she was a little bit deaf and she'd say yes when she should be saying no and she just, um, yeah, <laughs> she was a party girl, mum. Okay. Mm. Um, so in your childhood, when did things start becoming a, a problem to you? To me, um, in my teenage years, I've got two older sisters and they'd both left home and I was there with, with mum and dad and I, and I was working. I could, they just used to fight all the time and mum's drinking and, and dad got sick and he had to go to hospital for a couple of months. And while he was in hospital, she would be out with her girlfriend drinking and she lost her licence. It was just awful. And she and I used to fight a lot and I'd, Tell her she was drinking too much, and she just wouldn't listen to me. It was, yeah, you know, it wasn't very nice. Okay, so um, did you have any siblings? Two older sisters. Okay, yep. and what and they, was their reaction? Well, they didn't really say anything because they'd left home, and I was. It really wasn't apparent until. Um, well, no one really took any notice until. Well, me, really. They just knew mum drank, but nothing was really talked about. No, mm. yeah. Well, I guess I had a similar 
upbringing myself. I had two older sisters, and it wasn't really till they left home that the problems in the family really started because there were few, fewer people for my dad to pick on. And, um, you know, so his focus certainly turned to my mother and myself at that point and made our lives pretty uh, unpleasant. And I think that was probably the thing that caused me to think about going to Al-Anon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you do, you know, as a, as a teenager to sort of cope, cope with that? What did I do to cope with that? That was really, it was really, I just had, I went out a lot. Yeah. That was mainly what I did. I went out a lot and just come home and, you know, just just didn't want to listen to all the fighting all the time because there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, in my, from my perspective, the, the focus was my father drinking and then coming in, um, usually come home from the pub uh, we'd have dinner, there'd be a fight over something that was on the radio. We always listened to the news while we were having dinner, which was probably the stupidest thing you could have ever done. Uh, and Dad would um, get upset, walk out from the table, go out to the garage, have a few beers, uh, quite a few beers, and then come back later in the night and stand in the kitchen and abuse my mother while he was having another drink. And that was just, that was a like Groundhog Day. It just repeated and every night. Uh, apart from the weekend, mm. when the the pubs, you know, you didn't get to the pub as much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, how did you get out of home in in that situation? Well, well, in my teenage years, I well, I was eighteen. I got married at twenty, and and left, and um, and then married a drinker as well, because I was just familiar with drinkers. So. That was what I was attracted to. Yeah. Yep. So, and what was the attraction with the drinker? Oh, they had fun. Fun, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think mm. that's um, I think that's a hallmark that alcohol is a really socially acceptable way of having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who's got a problem with drink just fits in so well. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> um, so, getting married young... How did that work out? No, that didn't work at all. I I was married for about a year and I left. I thought, I can't live like this because he just drank. He, sometimes he didn't come home. And I'd sit and wait in the car for him. I'd, I'd run up to where he worked to meet him. And we both worked in the city. And he'd say, I'll just, I won't be long. And I'd sit in the car from probably 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock and wait till he come out. Wow. Because I didn't know what to do. I thought, I just, it was just. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know I could just catch the train home. I just sat there. Yeah. We we sort of feel captive, don't we? It's We don't understand that we can do something. We don't feel um, that we've got the right to just live our own lives. Yeah. Um, so how many children did you have? And I had two, two, two children yeah. and... And after six years of marriage, I thought, I can't do this anymore. He was just just drinking and drinking and drinking. Didn't come home sometimes. So I I packed up and we left. And we stayed in this little place that I'd rented. And mum and dad come over and they said, oh, love, you can't stay here. Come home with us. So they marched me home with them and it was back to the alcoholics, fighting again, no. back with mum and dad. Yeah. Yes. So, so was your dad's drinking as much of a problem as your mum? 
Dad wasn't a problem. Mum just kept pouring him drinks and he drank it. He he was a quiet drinker. Yeah. But she was the she was the fighter. She'd love right. to get drinking and then she would pick on his mum, say Yeah, she'd pick a fight on about his mum and yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So it, it must have been – I found it very difficult with, with my mother and with my father, the drinker, and my mum would um, – she'd make the situation worse. And it was just oh, – I found it as difficult to accept her not doing anything positive about dad's drinking as I did about dad not doing anything about his drinking. Um, but, you know, before I understood about alcoholism, I would side with my mother – against my father because it just seemed like she needed protection when really she was as much of the problem as, as he was. Um, yeah. Um, so t- when did you think about seeking help? Uh, when I was with, with uh, staying at mum's place and I had, because I had the boys and I needed to get a job, so I did some waitressing. And I met this lady there. She was waitressing as well. And I don't know how we got talking about alcoholism, but she just came out and told me that her parents were alcoholics and and that she went to Al-Anon. And I said, well, my parents drink too. And she said, and I told her a few situations. And she said, oh, you need to come to Al-Anon. So she marched me along to (laughs) Al-Anon. And what was it like at your first meeting? I just cried and cried and cried. It was just it was just such a relief to sit and listen and to think I finally feel like I belong somewhere. Yeah. I think it's the it's the understanding that it's someone else's problem, you know, and, and that was the thing it was with me, with my dad's drinking wasn't a problem to him, but it was a really a problem to the family that we really bore the brunt of his drinking, um or the effects of his drinking and um and I think just understanding that it was actually his responsibility, not mine, was a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. Yeah. So how did you yeah. feel once you understood what the problem was? Yeah. Well, after the six meetings in three days, yeah. I was just so excited to find Alan on. And I learned I didn't have to learn to sit and listen to all this fighting. I could remove myself and that, you know, it was it was their problem, not mine. And... There was nothing I can do about it. Yeah, just to accept it. Mm. Yeah, and, and and what about one of the key things that I learned was about respecting the alcoholic's right to be an alcoholic and to live that life. If that's what they, if they didn't choose to change it, then that's what they were living. So, what what do you think about respecting alcoholism, alcoholics? Mm. Well, I learned to shut my mouth, really, and stop fighting with with mum and telling her she was an alcoholic. And just accept that that's what she, if she wants to do that, that's up to her. But I have to just, which is hard to do, to accept it. And, and she wasn't going to change, so I had to change me. Yeah. So <clears throat> are your mum and dad still alive? No. No. They're both, yeah. both deceased. Okay. Yep. Right. Um, so how long were you in al before your mum died? Maybe about 25 years or so. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I had plenty of time to work on her and me. Yeah. 
which was really nice because, you know, one of the biggest things I learned to do was to say no, which I could never say no to mum because she was very manipulative and I thought I had to do, because I was a daughter, I thought I had to do everything she told me to do. And I'd learnt in Al-Anon that I didn't have to do that. And by learning to... And it didn't feel comfortable to say no to start off with. I'd say no. And, she, it was, and you know, after I'd hang up the phone, I'd ring an Al-Anon member and they'd say, no, love, you've done the right thing. Yeah. You're right. You're not responsible for your mum. And it just worked so well. And it, it took a long time, but, it, you know, in the end we got respect for each other, which was really nice. Yeah, yep. yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, it was about twenty-five years before that I had a relationship with my dad before he died, and we were able to talk. We were, we weren't like father and son. We were more like neighbours who could just have a chat, a friendly chat about things. But you know, he, when he was drinking, I had to treat him in the same way as if he was, if he hadn't been drinking, and just, you know, let him talk, let him you know, be himself and not try to control him. I think that was the thing that he enjoyed more than anything was the fact that I wasn't trying to change him, that he could be himself. Yeah. How did you, how did you feel when, when you were going to Al-Anon and your mum was doing her stuff? Could you ever talk to her about that? About her alcohol? Well, about no. what you were doing. No, she really wasn't interested or didn't really know what I did but she must have somehow made it sort of felt some change because she lived in the country and she would come down and she'd say to me have you got my grog in the fridge and I'd say no and then after a while after lots of meetings of Alan on I thought you know it said what does it matter so when she started to come down again she said you got my grog in the fridge I said yes (laughs) you know how important is it? it it didn't matter yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I think part of accepting an alcoholic is that alcoholics drink, they cause problems, they upset people. You know, if you're not going to change them, then really you've just got to run with it. And that's, yeah, that's life. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, we might take a quick break there. Uh, you're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, we've got over 80 episodes of the Living Free Show available on, as podcasts, and they're on our website, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. So you can check them out. Uh, if you want to send us a message, then you can contact us via 3CR by phone on 03 9419 8377. Uh, you can email us at 3 free at com, and we're also on Twitter as 3CR Living Free. Uh, we've got a radiothon coming up, um, and for us it's going to be on the 13th of June. Uh, I'll just play a quick announcement. In 2019, 3CR has the power. Add your support during the annual radiothon to Power Radical Radio. Radiothon starts 3rd of June. To donate, call 039419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2019. Power Radical Radio. I'm talking with Kathy, and we're talking about living with the family disease of alcoholism and looking at um, how it affects your life and what 
what Alanon can do to help you cope with um, having an alcoholic in your family. So, Kathy, what are the sort of things that you were able to do once you got into Alanon that helped you, I guess, get on with your mum? Uh, lots of things, really. The, the main thing was I, I learned to remove myself because uh, she used to ring, up, ring me up at, in the evening crying and saying, you know, how sad her life was and she missed dad and everything and she, I could tell she'd been drinking. So I'd, I'd learned to Ellen on to say, look, there's someone at the front door. I have to go. I'll call you in the morning. So what I learned to do was not to speak to her when she'd been drinking and wait until she was sober. Yeah. And that, that worked really well. Okay. Um, I guess the other one is getting them to take responsibility for their own life. So the sorts of things I'm thinking about is, you know, arrangements with the alcoholic and just letting them do stuff without you, I guess, requiring them to to do things themselves. Um, I think it was probably the learning to say no. Yeah. Was yeah. the big <clears throat> thing for me because... I think I said that before. I, I think when my first granddaughter was born, she she said, um, "We're going up to Alice Springs," and you know, she thought I'd book up book the tickets. Yeah. And when I spoke to her, she'd say, "You haven't booked a ticket for me, have you?" And I said, "No." And that was the hardest thing on earth to do to say no to Mum. Yeah. You know, I walk around in circles, not saying no. And anyway, so I said no, and then she hung up on me. And about three days later, she called and she said, "And by the way, I'm going up there. I've booked a trip for myself." Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's the thing with you know, is letting them live their life um, and not trying to uh, not trying to control what they do or how they do it. Mm. And let them face the consequences. Uh, I think it was really important with my dad that you know, just just not criticising him. He loved that. You know, I could do almost anything else, but if I criticised him, he'd just shut down and he wouldn't talk to me. And I realised pretty quickly that, you know, that it wasn't my place to tell him how to live his life. I think I was in my you know early twenties, and he was about sixty, and he was me telling him how to live his life, and it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so with, with your mum then, um, you would have had a lot of interaction with her over the years. So what, what are some of the examples of, you know? Oh, we used to fight a lot over when she'd been drinking, lots and lots. And I, I learned just to, by coming to Elanon, I learned just to leave her, not talk to when she'd been drinking, just accept her for who she was. If she's going to drink... She didn't even accept that she had a problem. She said she, she said she wasn't an alcoholic because she didn't drink before twelve o'clock. Yeah, that's good. So isn't she'd it? open the can and they'd put the midday movie on, and she'd start. But I learned just to leave her to leave her be and not not to say anything. And that's the big thing in Alanon is to learn to shut my mouth and just get out of the way. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I guess the other thing is that the alcoholic needs to control the situation. And as family members, we feel like we have to try and control back. And so there's this battle of the wills in real terms. And as soon as one person stops doing that, the whole dynamic changes. And I think 
it, it naturally there has to, something has to change at that point. And I think the alcoholic realizes something's changed. I'm not sure they know exactly what it was, but they realize it's for the better. And I think they soften. My dad certainly did. He softened to me when I stopped being, when I stopped criticizing him and you know doing what families do, and that is call people names, and sometimes not very pretty names. And I think when you're not being criticized, you're much more likely to engage with somebody else. Yeah. Um, so could you talk about going to Al-Anon with your mum or not? Or didn't you try? Oh, no, I didn't try. She yeah. that, Definitely she would not be into Al-Anon at all. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Mm. No, I never mentioned Al-Anon to my dad either. Um, and I guess that was, you know, there was no need in real mm. terms. Yeah. He, he never asked me mm. and I never mentioned it. So, yeah. Um, so how about your, your sisters? Did you did they get into Al-Anon too? No, they didn't go to Al-Anon. I took my big sister once with me and that was the last time. I thought she's not coming back with me because she she was into the church and she was trying to take over the whole meeting yeah. and she just wouldn't listen whatsoever. She was in complete denial, thought she was right about everything. So, And the other one wasn't interested either. So that was... So it was just me. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, so the other one is, you know, if if I wanted to have a good relationship with my dad, I had to find out what he was interested in and talk to him about his stuff. So did you find with your mum you had to sort of try and find the common ground with her? What was your approach? Yeah, we we ended up having a lovely relationship and I when, when I... St- she lived in the country and I'd go up there and we'd go for long walks and she'd talk about her childhood and all the things she did in her life and I learned a lot about her, which was really good and that's when she wasn't drinking, you know, like in the mornings, yeah. which was really good. Yeah, okay. And we come to be really good friends, thanks to Al-Anon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly smooths over a lot of the rough things um, and, and I guess the thing that... I realised looking back was that I didn't blame my father. I could accept the fact that he did those things because he was drinking or drunk. Um, he didn't do them intentionally to hurt us, but we felt very hurt. And getting over the hurt meant that I could have a decent relationship with Dad and my kids could have a decent relationship with, with their grandfather, yeah. So what did your kids think of your grand your father? Uh, your mother, sorry. Yeah. Oh, they loved they loved mum because she had a swimming pool and they used to spend all their holidays there. <laughs> right. Even though she's inside drinking, yeah. they're outside in the pool, but they really loved mum. Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. Um, so I think you said that you had a relationship with your mum before she died. So what was it? Was it, were you close when she died? Yes, she waited for me till she died. I, I was, I went to stay with her for about six weeks before she died. And uh, my other sister lived up there in up the country as well, and she moved into it was a one bedroom little unit. And I said to my sister, well, "Why don't you go home?" She just, I don't know whether she didn't trust me or what was going on, but mum was in a dying bed and my sister's smoking and coughing and, <laughs> and um, 
and she's going through all mum's things. And I said to mum, she's going through all your stuff. And she said, oh, she didn't waste much time, did she? And I, so I had to remove myself from my sister and I'd go down to the, to the park and walk around the lake. And I, I rang a Lanolon member and she said to me, you get back there and remember while you're there, you're there for your mum and that's it. Mm. So I went back and I forget about my sister and just concentrate on mum. And we did have a lovely relationship and I'm so pleased that I made the effort and the time to to work on my relationship with mum. Yeah, yeah. So what about your relationship with your sisters? Um, no, we didn't. We, no, I don't have a very good relationship with my sisters. We're not really close. One's eight years older, the young four but we don't really have anything in common. The only thing I think we've got in common is we've got the same parents. Yeah. But yeah. really, that that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing I found in Alon that I tended to the people in Alon were closer to me than my family, and they were. It was like having a lot of aunties. It wasn't so many uncles, but yeah, a lot of aunties who were looking after your interests. They weren't trying to tell you what to do or how to do it but they are just interested in how you're going. And I think that was very encouraging. So you were the only one in Alanon. Did you try and get your kids involved in, in Alateen? I did, but they weren't, they weren't interested. They, yep. No. They did say to me, they used to say to me, Mum, you need a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's one good go. thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> So how did they turn out? Oh, they turned out both big drinkers as well. Yep. Yeah, it just must be in their genes. I, I, I can't understand why my youngest son, son drinks or drank because he'd say, I don't know how dad can drink, you know, if he's, if he's, if he's not thirsty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, he probably wouldn't drink, but he has. Both of them have been big drinkers yep. in their lives. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've just let them get on with it and stay out of it. It's very hard, isn't it? Very to stay hard. Out. Yeah, very, very yeah. hard. Yeah. Often people talk about: is it harder to have an alcoholic parent or spouse or child? And I guess you're a uniquely placed to answer that one. Mm. Are they equal or are they different? No, it's so much different with a child because they're just. I won't listen. It was just really hard. It was heartbreaking to watch my children drink themselves. One used to have blackouts. It was just awful. Mm. So did you try and help them? You're well, obviously in, in Alan at the time. So did you, yes. what, what did you do? Well, the, one of them, the eldest one, he was 15 and he moved out of home. And he, he just said, you can't tell me what to do anymore. And he moved. Yeah. So I had no, no, and he moved up the bush. So I had nothing to do with him. And when I did, he would, and then the other one, he he moved as well when he was about sixteen. Right. So, I really didn't have much to import in their teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? it mm. That's part of acceptance is you know letting people go. So, did they have much relationship with their father? Well, he's an alcoholic as well, a big yeah. drinker as well. Well, the the eldest one didn't have anything to do with his dad. He didn't really like his dad when he left home and the youngest one went to live with his father and he still is the one that cares for him even right. though he's still drinking. Yep. He's got alcoholic dementia. 
very and it's really sad and my son gets frustrated with him but Eleanor would be good for him yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's really hard isn't it to to watch people doing things that you know are not going to end well but mm. they've just got to they've just got to do them that's um yeah so how about your your sisters you know do they you don't have a close relationship with them, but do you have any relationship with your with their families? Uh, well, my oldest sister's daughter, she's a big drinker as well, mm. and most of my from my mum that skipped a generation. Most of my nieces and nephews have got alcohol problems. Wow! Yeah, yeah, which is really sad. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, to see and that. I, yeah. yeah. And I've had cro- close relationships with them all throughout their lives. But, yeah. Again, yeah, what can you do? It's, yeah, it is very hard, yeah. Uh, you're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm chatting with Cathy, and we're talking about families and the family disease of alcoholism and how Alan and family groups can help... Um, can help coping with families that are affected by someone else's drinking. Um, so I guess, Cathy, in, in Al-Anon, um, one of the things that I learnt was about how, how, I re- how I relate to other people. Because I, in my, my understanding that alcoholism is a disease of communication, miscommunication, that I say one thing, but the alcoholic doesn't hear that. He hears what I said five years ago. And it's the same with the alcoholic. The alcoholic says, yeah, I won't drink today. And I, I listen to that and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that never happens. And so we don't listen to each other. So what are the things, how has Alanon helped you in your life? Oh, well, Alanon helped me a lot with work because there was this lady at work, she was a bully. And I felt so intimidated by her. I'd go home crying she would. I'd ask her to have annual leave, and she would say no. If I'd ring up sick, she'd hang up on me, and she'd walk past. She walked past me. She'd give me a dirty look, and I thought. And I, I'm sure she was a drinker, and I thought. After a while, I thought there's no way I can change her. She is who she is, and I go to Al-Anon, and what am I going to do about it? What can I do to change me? So what I learned to do was, what I did was, I thought I won't go near her when she's angry. If I want some annual leave, I, I sent her some emails and if I wanted annual leave. If I rang up sick, I'd wait till she wasn't there. <laughs> and when she walked past me, I'd look the other way or I would, I would pretend I was busy doing something and not be the victim, just to get my own power back and not her have power over me and that just it really worked and something inside that gut feeling that I had with her it just went because I got my own power back and she couldn't control or manipulate me anymore and yeah. that felt really good yeah I, I think it relates to fear in a way that I I found that that um, in dealing with one of my sisters I felt she could see what I was thinking about her, which wasn't very nice. And I always felt that with the alcoholic too. When my dad was drinking, before I went to Al-Anon, I always felt that he could see what I felt, my opinion of him, and it wasn't very nice. 
and that made me feel really guilty and really embarrassed. And I felt it was the same as my sister, that I was giving her power over me by thinking that she she knew what I was what I was on about. Um, and um, I think being able to understand that it was just my fear helped me to get over that and her not to have that influence on me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was really negative for me. Um, yeah. Um, so what about your grandkids then? How, how does it... Mm-hmm. What's it like being a grandma in Alanon with grandkids who have an alcoholic parent? It's really lovely having not having the alcoholic parent, but it's really lovely having being an Al-Anon person. At home I've got the slogans at home and the serenity prayer. Yeah. And they they say it and um but it's it's really good because they just feel comfortable with me and they said they love being with me. They said you're not like any other grandparent. They said we can just be ourselves with you which is really nice and I don't judge them I just I just love them and encourage them and I that's what I learn in in Al-Anon is, is just to encourage 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 and not to put them down yeah 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 give them support be be confident for them yeah I think that, that's really helpful um the other thing I think is also to provide them a safe place someone that they can turn to who isn't going to criticize or control them so what sort of things do you do with them? Oh, well, my youngest grandson, he comes up, he just says, I'm coming to your place, and he just loves it at my place. He just makes himself at home, makes himself some tea and toast, and he just, I can tell he just feels like it feels like a really safe place for him to to be. Yep. Which, And I can see a big difference since I've been around in in all of them, really, which yep. is really lovely. Yeah, yep. yeah that's good. Um, so, what about your own your own life? Doing your own thing, do you feel comfortable? You know, now more comfortable now. You know, being your own person and doing your own thing. I do. I've I've had to pluck up the courage to to tell my family that, you know, I can't be having the children all the time. I need to have space and some balance of my own life which was really I had to learn the serenity prayer. Well, I already know the serenity prayer, but to over and over to change the things I can. And that was, it was really hard to do, but I approached my family and said, look, I'm I'm going away. And the response I got was not what I thought. They were really happy. So now I've planned more holidays yeah. and they can manage quite comfortably without me and I don't have to be... You're not yeah. the saviour. Yeah. No. no. Yes. <laughs> You're just grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that um, in Alanon people, you know, part of the part of being in Alanon is helping other people who have similar problems. So what sort of things have you got involved in with Alanon as far as letting people know about Alanon? Yeah. Well, people that I meet, I can see sometimes that they're having problems, and I just say. Well, I go to a group called Al-Anon and it's friends and families of alcoholics and then just share how Al-Anon has helped me with my life and and give them some little brochures or a little just-for-today card. Yeah. 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 So and, ha- have any of your friends come to Al-Anon? Yes, I've had about three come. Okay. Yeah, which has been really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... Invariably, you come in touch. You get in touch with people who 
have been affected by alcoholism. And it's surprising how many people have had alcoholism in their family and really have no idea what alcoholism is. You know, they, they don't know the difference between heavy drinking and alcoholism. And they can't understand. I remember when I first came to Allenon, I, I spoke to some friends and I was concerned about dad's drinking. And they were just aghast. They just couldn't understand why my father's drinking affected me because everybody's dad drank. But their dads weren't alcoholics. And that was the difference. And so they had no conception of what it's like to have an alcoholic in the home. Um, and that was a real eye-opener to me. It meant I knew from that point it was pointless talking to them about my dad or anything to do with, with his drinking because they just didn't understand the problem. Um, so talking to somebody who understands the problem is really helpful. Yeah, It is. I found it so lonely and very lonely because nobody understood until I went to Al-Anon. Yeah. 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 Okay. If anybody's out there who'd like to find out more about Alan Family Groups, then you can phone their helpline on 1300 252 666 or you can go online at Um That's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Kathy for coming in and sharing her Alan Family Groups recovery experience with us. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. It's been lovely. No worries. Uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about living with the family disease of alcoholism and we'll be joined by Alaron family groups. Uh, stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Uh, thanks for listening to the Living Free program today. Yeah.